catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high-milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined for episode 206 by my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Just got a fresh couple inches of snow. Um, You know, winter 2.0 here. Yeah, we're having winter 2.0 over here, too, uh, in New England, Massachusetts. It was... um, 18 degrees today when I walked out to my car, and the real feel in the middle of the day was like four. So, uh, yeah, it's not great. Um, But we do have a lot to talk about today. Um, We've got a lot of Red Sox baseball to talk about, get you updated on some happenings in spring training, and then we are going to spend the bulk of the show doing one of my favorite activities of the offseason, which is going through making our divisional predictions, uh, giving you our playoff teams for this year. And our award winners. So we're going to go through uh, not only all the playoff matchups, but we're going to go over World Series champ, um, NL Rookie of the Year, AL Rookie of the Year, Cy Young Awards for both leagues, and then the MVPs uh, of both leagues. And then we'll get you out of here with some listener questions. Um, let's let's first get to uh, some news and notes from spring training, though. Um, one of my favorite pieces of news over this last week has been that Xander Bogarts has started playing in real spring training baseball games uh, and said he's 100% healthy and ready to go for opening day. Um, that was certainly encouraging for me. I wasn't ever that worried, and we kind of talked about that last week, Keaton, but you know, it's always good to see him finally get in the lineup. Yeah, um, I mean... I was getting a little bit worried for opening day, but it didn't seem like it was something that was really going to linger. And if he had missed opening day, it seemed like he was going to be back in short order. So, I mean, like in terms of his season, I wasn't worried, but I'd be a little bummed if he wasn't out there for opening day. Yeah, I think um, he's probably the most important piece uh, for this team. You know, if he's out such a stabilizing presence, I think that his performance probably more than anybody else uh, on this team over the last, I don't know, five years or so has been kind of the most steadying presence to the lineup. So uh, take him out of it and all of a sudden you've got some pretty substantial concerns. But hopefully, you know, the, the shoulder thing, they took care of it. Um, and hopefully it doesn't appear again for the rest of the season. So fingers crossed on that one. Uh, third time is the charm for Garrett Richards, Keaton. Um, back on the mound, looked fantastic struck out seven um apparently no worries with with uh, our, our boy here 
No, we said that on the last pod that we we weren't really concerned yet. Um, if his struggles carried over to the regular season, sure. But um, he was working through some mechanic issues, and spring training is the time to do that. So uh, much better results this time around. Um, still had a few walks in there, three and four innings, but um, you know, only one hit limited the damage off of them because of the seven strikeouts. So I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I was really encouraged by that. Um, next thing, Nathan Eovaldi didn't actually look that good um, in terms of the stat line at the end of the day. I don't care too much about that uh, with spring training. I care a little bit more about how the guy looks on the mound. And Eovaldi in his last outing was hitting 100 pretty consistently. Um, which is nice to see from him. It shows that he's strong, shows that he's healthy. Um, he's been probably the starter who's been most sort of unimpressive from a statistical standpoint, but I gotta think that, you know, with him out there throwing those velocities and showing that he's healthy, that's probably all we care about for the spring, right? That's exactly what we care about. That's it. Yeah. All right. All right. That's a, my little Eovaldi gut check there. I was just like, eh, should I overreact? Should I not overreact? But probably not. Um, Tristan Casas, uh, everybody's favorite prospect on the Red Sox. He was back in the lineup after, you know, getting checked out for uh, some sort of medical issue that we're not sure what it was. He's been in the lineup back-to-back days. Uh, stung a ball today. Uh, you know, was caught for an out. But overall, um, putting some good hacks on the ball. I mean... Just encouraging to see him back in the lineup. Yeah, agreed. Nice to have him in there. Get get a little peek at the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Jay Groom got an inning. I don't know if you got to see that. He pitched on Saturday. Uh, was a relatively clean inning. Gave up a hit. But other than that, I mean, looked okay. I, it wasn't overwhelming, but you know, did, you get, did you get a chance to peek at Jay Groom? No, I missed it. Well, you know what? His his stuff looked pretty good, um, and, and I think that he probably doesn't have a, a super realistic chance at cracking into the rotation or the bullpen this year, but I think nonetheless an important year for him. And wh- where do you see him fitting in in 2021? Yeah, I'm not so sure. Um, I think... I guess are you saying fitting in in terms of major league level or just in the organization in general? Uh, either. Whatever you're looking for. Yeah, major league level, I'm not seeing much. Uh, maybe a September call-up and, you know, stint in the bullpen if he's really good. I guess I'm guessing he's going to start at double-A. Um, and so that's going to take some work to really push his way to the majors and based off his track record of minors so far, wouldn't bank on it. Mm. But taking steps forward um he he was did it getting over some injuries put those behind him and finally um you know have a a breakout season in the minors that we've been hoping he'd have since basically they drafted him that's kind of what i'm looking for but wouldn't expect much at the major league level all right um guy who we know is going to be at the major league level who has also been impressive this spring is Garrett Whitlock. What have you seen from him when he's been out there, Keaton, and, and what can we expect from his role this year? Yeah. Um, you know, you're supposed to take uh, spring training stats with a grain of salt, but um, seven strikeouts, no walks, one run in six innings is uh, hard to ignore. Uh, and to kind of take that grain of salt, especially f- from a guy that when they added him to the roster, we weren't really expecting much. We thought, you know, he's got to be there, so he'll be in the bullpen. But I don't know, man. I mean, I would pencil him for the fifth starter if Nick Pavetta wasn't also having a really good spring. But it feels good to have him as an option there, and he probably is going to start in the bullpen. But... If Pavetta implodes or uh, probably more likely someone gets hurt and they need to call someone up, uh, it fe- or not call someone up, but just get a star- another starter, it feels great to have him as an option 
and actually have depth at the position of starting pitching. Yeah, it also feels like, you know, on days that one of the guys in the rotation doesn't have it, whether that's Evaldi or, you know, Garrett Richards or, or whoever, Martin Perez, um, you can go to Garrett Whitlock in the second inning or whatever and feel great about that and not feel like you're going to waste your pen uh, either. So I think that's just such a tremendous strength to have on the roster. And, you know, I've been I've been really encouraged by what we saw last outing from Richards, what we've been seeing all spring from Pavetta. Martin Perez's last outing was really strong. Eduardo Rodriguez, I mean, we haven't even talked about that. He looked fantastic in his last outing as well. Um, Eovaldi's actually been the guy that, you know, like I said earlier in the show, I think has looked a little bit weaker than the other guys, but it's crazy the difference in this rotation um, that a year makes. It, I just feel yeah. so much better about all of these guys than I pretty much did uh, anybody last year and add in real depth like Whitlock, guy 95 mile an hour sinker. Um, it's, it's awesome. And Chris Sale waiting in the wings. It's just, it feels like an embarrassment of riches after last season, which is ridiculous because all it is, is just a, a, a standard capable major league rotation. Um, yep. but it feels like we're spoiled here right now. <laughs> yeah. And we basically have like one starter we feel we can rely on in the wings and we're like, Oh, this depth oh, it goes on for days. <laughs> Yeah, last year really did a number on us, huh? Yeah, it seriously did. <laughs> yeah, I'm like looking at this group like it's a collection, like it's the 94 Braves or something. It's <laughs> stupid. I mean, honestly, cool. compared to last year, it feels like it. Yeah, well, that was historically horrendous. <laughs> um, we should notice, note a couple other things. Uh, Ryan Brazier hasn't appeared yet. He's got a fractured finger. So a- any hopes of him being in the mix for that closer's role Probably out the window at this point. They were incredibly slim anyhow, so it's probably Matt Barnes's job, as we said. Uh, I feel totally fine with that. It does also allow them to uh, have an extra guy uh, who they probably would have had to send down, likely either Taylor or Valdez or somebody like that, uh, to start the year with the team if Brazier you know, can't get himself ready in time. Uh, and we still haven't really seen Franchi Cordero, so that's... Uh, a little bit of an X factor. Any of those stand out to you as particularly important uh, going forward? Franchi. Yeah. Tell me why. Well, if he's not in the center field, then we're going to assume that shifts Kike over. Uh, and then it's just a waterfall effect of him missing. You know, Kike moves someone else at second. Lineup looks different. Um, there's just there's more... Uh, like... I don't really know what analogy I was trying to, to put in there, but <laughs> there's just there's uh, just more of a waterfall effect with him yeah. missing. So I just feel like that makes him more important. Well, Cora has actually said something kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I had been in the same camp as you, Keaton, where I'd been thinking that um, it would be Kike who would get time in center field. But um, he has said that he's likely to put either Verdugo – or Hunter Renfro uh, in center field and have uh, Enrique Hernandez playing left when he has to be out in the field. So that is going to be interesting. I, apparently, Hunter Renfro can play a passable center field. He's more comfortable with that. In Fenway, though? I don't know, man. I, I, huh. I, think, I think he's thinking about the Renfro thing more... Uh, yeah, I think at Fenway, honestly, because... Because you have Verdugo and Wright. Because you'd have Verdugo and Wright, and I think that they view Wright as slightly more important at Fenway than center. Sure, well, I agree with that, but it doesn't mean center is much easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they're still really difficult positions to play in Fenway Park. They like his jumps. All right. I mean, if... I mean, they're obviously seeing him every day in camp. If they think he can hold down center, then sure. But, I mean, either way, it moves Kike to the outfield. Then you've got changes in the infield. I would assume Marwin Gonzalez, but... Yeah, yeah. probably. Most most days, I'd assume Marwin. There's just more things up in the air with Franchi out versus, yeah. uh, you know, Brazier. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. The other thing that seems like it's going to stick is is Kike Hernandez in the leadoff spot and Verdugo batting second with, you know, somebody out of that group of Xander, Devers, and JD is going to get bumped to the fifth spot. And I don't love that. Neither do I. My guess is that's Devers, and I don't like it. I think it's going to be JD. Really? Hmm. Yeah. All right. I don't know that, you know, he hasn't looked that good so far in the spring. And we, we try not to overreact, but, like, yeah, I'm looking for him to have a big spring. I was. Yeah. I suppose I'm with you there. But I don't think, I mean, Devers hasn't had that great of a spring either. No, but he's Devers. could say the same thing about JT. You could. You can make that argument. You definitely can. But one of those guys hitting fifth just feels weird to me at the expense of, of Enrique Hernandez at the top of that lineup. But uh, Agreed. I don't know. Carr's got his thing going, so we'll see. Maybe he's right and we're wrong. All right, let's get to it now, Keaton. Those are our spring training news and notes. We have divisional predictions and playoff teams coming up as well as awards. Let's get right to the most important division in baseball, the American League East. Keaton, uh, do you want to give us your top five, one through five? Sure. Division winners, the New York Yankees, followed by the Toronto Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Boston Red Sox, and the Baltimore Orioles. Mm. Nice. Um, I have it slightly different than you. I have Yankees 1, Blue Jays 2. I have Red Sox 3, Rays 4, and Orioles 5th. So we just have the Sox and Rays swapped there. Both have the Yankees and and Blue Jays. Uh, Do you have any other playoff teams out of that division other than the Yankees? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. The Blue Jays? Toronto Blue Jays. Me too. Me too. Okay, cool. So what is it that you like so much about the Blue Jays? Because I think that that pick might surprise some people. We both made it, though. I mean, what do you like so much about them? I mean, it's the lineup. Um, pretty much the the entire way through their nine is a tough out. Uh, and they've got a lot of guys with potentials to go off this year and really kind of like separate themselves. The pitching is concerning. Um, Hyunjin Ryu, stud. Uh, and then after that, it's a just a massive crapshoot. I think Robbie Ray is going to be better than he was last year. Uh, kind of hard for him not to be. Um, so that, I think, is really going to be the wild card. But the offense is just so good and promising, it's it's hard to, to keep it down. Yeah, pitching's the thing that could derail this team. But you're right. I mean, they were one of the more active teams in the offseason. Bringing in George Springer was huge. Uh, Marcus Simeon to play second base, I think, just really further solidifies what was already a decent infield uh, defensively. And, and Vlad at first base, Kevin Biggio at third. Um, it's just super nice. And there's so much power in that outfield between Lourdes Gurriel, Tay Oscar, and, and Springer now. Um yeah, I, I got to say, I think that Danny Jansen, too, might be displaced by Alejandro Kirk at some point uh, during the season, and that would even add more offense to that mix. So that's pretty crazy to think about. Um, on the flip side, we both had the Yankees as division winners, but give me the pathway to the Yankees losing the division. Like, how, What does that look like? Because I Pitching. think that they're clearly favorites. Yeah. Um, I mean, outside of Garrett Cole, the rest of their starting rotation is basically all coming off of an injury-riddled season. Um, Domingo Herman, I think, is still got to miss some time um, based off his suspension. So they're going to be without him for a bit. Uh, they do have some young guys that are exciting. D.V. Garcia is one of them. I'm not exactly sure where he's going to fit in there, but it's basically just the pitching. Is it going to be healthy and consistent? Because that's really the baseline. If it's consistent, they'll run away with the division. But if they're inconsistent and adding injuries in it and Blue Jays pitching hits, then I I could see them flipping. But basically, I think the Yankees are just going to either ride or die with their pitching. And um, it's a safer bet that it works and is consistent for an entire season than not. So that's why I have them there. 
Yeah, I think the difference for me with between those two teams is is the Yankees have probably slightly more upside in the rotation than the Blue Jays do. The lineups are pretty comparable, like you said, and I give the Yankees the edge in the bullpen. So I just think that yep. while the Blue Jays could definitely take it from them, there's just a little bit more safety on the Yankees' side. But honestly, wouldn't shock me, one through four, Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, any of those teams I feel like could take the division, honestly. I think yeah, it's pretty I close. I would be surprised. Yeah. All right. Uh, AL Central. Uh, since you went first last time, I will go first this time. I have it as Minnesota Twins, number one. Uh, White Sox, number two. Cleveland Indians, or Cleveland whatevers, uh, number three. Uh, Kansas City, uh, number four. And the Detroit Tigers, fifth place. How you got it? Exact same order. Okay. Uh, playoff teams. Do you have any other than the Twins? Yes. Ooh. The White Chicago White Sox. Nice. Me too. Me too. So we have the same AL wild cards, Blue Jays and White Sox. <laughs> yep. Um, just for the listeners out there, we did not compare um, before the show. These are 100% finding out uh, between each other uh, right now. So I'm going to ask you about the top there. I know you're a Chicago guy. You go to a bunch of White Sox games, uh, you know, not during COVID. Um, Twins are a great team, too. What still gives the Twins the edge to you over the White Sox? Because the White Sox are coming pretty hard right now with all the moves they've made. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's – it's they are young and exciting, um, and it's kind of emphasis on the young. I just think they're still so young at this point that they're kind of figuring out who they are as a team. And Minnesota's experience, uh, I just think, gives them a slight edge there. Yeah, the one thing that freaks me out a little bit about Minnesota is that after Kenta Maeda, I don't feel amazing about Jose Barrios because he hasn't taken that step forward. Michael Pineda's good, but he's often hurt. J.A. Happ I like, but... You know, he's older. Uh, Matt Shoemaker, no clue what to expect out of him. Um, they're just old. You know, they're they're a pretty old team. They're kind of the exact opposite of the Chicago uh, White Sox, who, who when you look at their lineup, I mean, they got a lot of youth there. They've, they've done a nice job of mixing in some, some veterans, though. I think it's smart to bring back Adam Eaton, the guy with some – World Series experience uh, playing for the Washington Nationals to mix in with, you know, other veterans like Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal. Um, and there's still a lot of youth there. I mean, you've got Madrigal, Robert, Moncada. That's a really good team, man. Maybe we should have picked the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I just, I'm worried about how young they are. And they haven't yeah. all been together for a season yet. So I feel like they're going to take a massive step forward and then really put it together next year. I like the White Sox top three in their rotation. Geo, uh, Keiko, Lynn, way better than I like Minnesota's top three. But I like Minnesota's four and five better than their four and five. Yeah. And Minnesota, I mean, um, Dobnik crashed and burned a bit. Um, but he's had a really nice spring too, so they might have more depth too. Not only like a slightly stronger uh, back end, but they might have a little bit more depth in the starting pitching too. If any of these two teams falters, do you think Cleveland still has enough to win the division? Because they've challenged. <sighs> I mean, their pitching is really nice, but their lineup is just horrendous. It's pretty bad. Uh, they added Rosario. Uh, or, well, both two Rosarios and um, Jimenez, which is nice, but I just not feeling it. Their bullpen's pretty nasty, though. Karen Jack, Whitgren, and Classe. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it'll basically be the uh, good pitching beats good hitting mm-hmm. all season long for them. They're not going to give up many runs, but 
which is a good thing for them because I don't think they're going to score very many either. So um, if one of them falters, sure, I think they could. I feel like Cleveland is going to be that team that it just barely hangs around the entire season but just can't quite, you know, close the gap at the end of the season. Yeah, and over the 60-game uh, season last year, it ended up be the, being the Twins by one game uh, over the White Sox and the Indians, who were both tied right behind them with 35 wins. So I expect it to still be similarly close uh, yeah. the next year. All right, let's move on to the uh, AL uh, West. Who are your top five out there? I think this is going to be the first time we, we disagree, really. Okay. Uh, I've got Oakland number one, Houston number two, Angels number three, Seattle four, Texas fifth. And you thought we were going to disagree, huh? Is it the exact same? Exact same. You just said you liked Houston on Dynasty's Child like two weeks ago. That changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) That was before the most recent injury to one of the uh, Houston starters. I can't remember who was... Who was it that like broke a finger or something? One of the dudes. Uh, Framber Valdez. Framber, yeah, yeah. It was before Framber went down. <laughs> All right, never mind. We'll have the exact same order. <laughs> <laughs> and we only have Oakland making the playoffs from that group. So yeah. let, let me let me ask you then. Let's go right to um to to Houston. So you're right. Uh, what was that? Two three weeks ago that I predicted that Houston would finish ahead of Oakland. Um, but I mean. You, you've had Oakland the whole time, and I've just recently switched over. So what is it that you like better about Oakland? And I guess it's easier to ask, what don't you like about Houston? Yeah, I think it's um, just kind of starting to fall apart for Houston with the injuries. You know, they lost Springer. Um, I didn't really add much that yeah, I really think swings the pendulum. Um, and Oakland was just already really sturdy and deep, both in pitching, bullpen, and lineup, that I felt like what Houston stripped away just took him down a notch. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks on Houston. Um, yeah, I don't know if, how good Jose Altuve is anymore. Um, I expect Brantley and Bregman to be pros in the middle of that lineup, and, and Jordan being back healthy should be massive, but like... What are you going to get from Yuli Gurriel at 36, almost 37 years old? How good can Kyle Tucker be? Um, I have some serious questions about that. Uh, Miles Straw as your everyday center fielder. Yeah, I don't know if that's a great thing. And then, you know, the bullpen looks pretty weak outside of Ryan Presley uh, over there. So, yeah, it's, it's falling apart quickly for Houston. I would not be shocked if... In a year or two, Houston is closer to the bottom of the AL West than they are the top. I think things yeah. are unraveling quickly. Yeah, I mean, that entire homegrown core that carried them in 2017 are all going to be free agents, and I can't imagine they're going to – I mean, they already lost Springer, who was one of those. Um, I imagine Correa is pretty close to being on the outs as well. So, yeah, I just think it's – their window is uh, slamming shut. So this division might be the most interesting, though, uh, outside of the American League East that we've talked about so far, um, because Oakland's really good. And then I think we both have the Mariners kind of making a little bit of a push. Um, So we both have them above Texas. How close do you think the Mariners get to that top trio? of the Athletics, Astros, and Angels, who who I think we all expect. You know, are we all in league with that sort of 82-plus wins for those three teams? I mean, yeah. is that kind of the the window? So, I mean, w- what are we thinking for for the Mariners? How many Very wins? close. Um, okay. Like 80? Okay. Uh, I actually originally had them ahead of Los Angeles, but then I was just like, Trout and healthy Otani, that's really hard to, to bet against them. Right. Um, so then I ended up flipping them and going LA third, Seattle fourth. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle was able to make a, a jump past one or two of these teams. They're all really close. 
So what do you like about them particularly? Like how, how are they making that jump? What's the difference? Yeah, it's another year of uh, Shed Long and Kyle Lewis. Uh, they still got Kyle Seeger holding down that lineup. Uh, they brought James Paxton back. who I think is going to have a nice bounce back season to shore up some of that pitching. Uh, I still like Justin Dunn, even though he hasn't really done much of his time in the majors, but he's still he's only 25 years old. So, um, yeah, it's the pieces they added in another year of the young core that, that debuted last year. Just feels like they're going to take at least some kind of step forward. Poor Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah. By the time uh, Mike Trout finally gets a cast around him, Seattle's going to be absolutely loaded. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, poor dude. All right. Uh, moving on to the National League here. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more differentiation. Uh, NL East, I have it. Mets, or sorry. No, I don't. I have it Atlanta Braves, followed by the Mets, followed by the Nationals, followed by the uh, Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins. And fifth place, I have the Philadelphia Phillies. We have a difference. Oh, okay, good. Not an exciting one, though. Top three are all the same. I have Philadelphia ahead of Miami. Oh, man, I, I really thought you were going to say you had the Mets winning that division because I know how many <laughs> oh. Mets players you like. <laughs> yeah, um, I think those two are going to kind of separate themselves from Washington, though. I do, too. Uh, I'm not sure I like Washington's lineup enough outside of Juan Soto. That's the big question for me. I still love their pitching, but I'm just not sure that they have enough outside of him. Yeah, I mean, Garcia had a really nice debut. Um, maybe he puts that together for an entire season. Carter Kiboom bounces back. They certainly have some potential, but yeah, I think that they're a distant third to those other two. Do you have uh, Mets making the wild card? Yes. I do too. So how close do you think the division ends up being between Atlanta and New York? Maybe 95 wins for Atlanta, 92 for the Mets. Okay. I think it could be even closer than that. I wouldn't be, be shocked if sure. Atlanta ends up like a 97-win team and the Mets are like a 95-win team. I think very highly of both of these clubs. Yeah, same. Um, so what is the separator for you between Atlanta and New York? Because both project out pretty well. In fact, I think some projection systems actually have the Mets projecting out a little bit higher than Atlanta um, based on, you know, some of their guys, sabermetrics just absolutely love, notably your boy, Brandon Nimmo. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, what's, what's the difference for you between those two clubs? Why, why Atlanta? Health. Um, if the Mets roster and pitching stays healthy for a season, I think that they will win the division. However, uh, they just have so many injury concerns on both sides of the ball that I'm just expecting there to be a couple injuries that really hamper them. And I think that's why I think it'll still be close, but they'll finish two, three games back. The healthy Mets lineup is Blue Jays like in terms of its depth. I mean, just looking down that thing, Nimmo, Lindor, Conforto, Alonzo, Dom Smith after the season he had, Jeff McNeil in the sixth spot, J.D. Davis, who is an excellent seventh hitter, James McCann is the catcher in the eighth spot who they dumped a bunch of money at. Um, that's a loaded lineup. Absolutely yeah. loaded. Yeah, it is. The This is the bummer. Is you, you expect Conforto is going to miss some time and Nimmo is probably going to miss some time. Uh, Lindor and Alonzo, probably the only ones that will be healthy through the entire season. J.D. Davis has had his injury issues too. So it, that's that's the bummer is I just don't I don't think we're going to get that healthy lineup for the majority of the season. But if they do, they could certainly take the division. Yeah, I like their lineup better than Atlanta's lineup. And, and I think Atlanta's is excellent too, especially bringing back Marcelo Zuna. Hopefully getting a healthy season out of Albies, which you didn't get last year. Um, but the difference for me is just Atlanta's pitching. I, I like the the top four 
um, from from Atlanta just a little bit more than I like the top four um, from from the Mets. Obviously, the the one two of Degrom Degrom is better than anyone in the the Atlanta rotation. Um, but then I like Freed, Morton, and Anderson better than I like Stroman. Um, and I, I think that's what, what separates it for me. And, and, and Smiley could be good there too. The fact of the matter is they just have so many guys. They can insert Mike Soroka into that rotation uh, at some point when he gets healthy. Um, they've got other guys waiting in the wings. You know, Sean Newcomb can throw if they need him to. Tuki Toussaint, uh, Kyle Muller, um, you know, Bryce Wilson. They've just got so many names. They sure do. I like Stroman, though, a lot. I, I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's good. I, I'm just not sure he's he's as good as those other guys. But Who knows? Um, Miami, interesting that you have them going from playoff team to the basement. Why do you have Miami falling from grace so mightily? Well, I don't know if it's so mightily. I think there's going to be a lot of wins in this division. Um I think they played above their heads last year. They were kind of that um, small sample Cinderella team where they didn't have to put it together for 162, so they put a strong 60 together and made some noise. Uh, I think Philadelphia underplayed last year as well. So I just think it's a little course correction on those two. Mm -hmm. But I still don't think, like, um, I honestly feel like, They'll, pro- they'll be pretty close to 80 wins, too, because I don't think they're they're bad teams. I just think uh, the top two are going to run away with it. Washington will be, like, high 80s. Uh, Philadelphia has strong pitching and a pretty decent lineup. Miami's on the upswing, which has played above them over their heads. So, I, like, 75 wins being the – like, bringing up the rear of the division seems pretty realistic. Yeah, so, it's a really competitive division. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think the Miami Marlins end up with pretty clearly the second best rotation uh, in the division. And I'm not sure who number one is going to be. Number one will either be Atlanta or the uh, Nationals to me. But I think that whoever is number one, Miami will be a, a, a surefire number two. I love their rotation. It does have a lot of potential. It can be very yeah. exciting. All right, uh, moving on to the NL Central. How do you have the Central playing out? I've got division winners, Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals second, Cincinnati Reds third, Chicago Cubs fourth, Pittsburgh Pirates fifth. All right. Um, I have it pretty different than you. I guess this is our biggest difference. All right. Yeah. Uh, I have it St. Louis number one, Milwaukee number two, Cubs number three, Reds number four, Pirates number five. All right, so let's talk about it at the top. Uh, why Milwaukee over St. Louis for you? Um, St. Louis's pitching is pretty nice. They do have a decent bullpen, but I just like Milwaukee's better. Um, Woodruff and then their bullpen – with Hader and Williams shutting the door. It's just really strong. Um, St. Louis adding Arenado obviously gives the lineup the boost that it certainly needed last year. Um, but I just, yeah, I just feel slightly better about Milwaukee's lineup. I think Yelich is going to have a nice bounce back year. Um, and just uh, the starting pitching and bullpen, I think, is slightly better. It's not, not a massive difference. Again, it's kind of like I feel like those two teams – running away with it. Um, I just feel like Chicago's falling apart, and it's basically Bryant, Rizzo, and Javi. Um, pitching's pretty bad there. Pittsburgh, I feel fairly confident <laughs> it's going to finish fifth. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Cincinnati and Chicago flip and, like, Chicago's fourth, Cincinnati third, and then same with St. Louis and Milwaukee. I just, I just like the Milwaukee a little bit better. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Milwaukee – I think is consistently one of my favorite teams to watch because of how Craig Council is basically just a mad scientist who's able to extract every bit of talent from 
that team, um, the matchup plays that he makes are always phenomenal. Um, he's he's probably the most dynamic manager uh, in the sport, and I give him a hell of a ton of credit for that, and I love the way that they've constructed their lineup. So I agree with you. I actually like Milwaukee's lineup the best out of any team. I think they have the safest floor of any lineup. I still think the Cubs might have the highest ceiling of any lineup in the division, just from a hitting standpoint, but... The thing that I like about St. Louis is, first of all, they're St. Louis, so there's that devil magic ability to just (laughs) piece it together. You know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's bananas. They always do it. Um, I have a feeling that Goldie is going to turn in just another professional season. Um, Arenado wants to prove some people wrong. He didn't have a very good season last year, battling some injury issues. I, I expect massive things from him. I think he wants to put to rest the idea that like he was somehow a product, of course. Um, and, and I also like a few of their young guys. I really like Harrison Bader uh, in center field. Um, Dylan Carlson, I think, is a pretty damn good player. I've always been a big fan of Paul DeYoung. His defense is excellent. Um, and in the rotation, I think, could be sneaky good, especially if they get a Jack Flaherty type season out of Jack Flaherty because they really didn't get a whole lot from Flaherty last year. Um, And if he takes that step forward, which I know you think he can take that step forward, and I'm with you, Keaton. I think he's one of the top five young pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, If he takes that step forward, I I think this team is pretty clearly the division winner. Yeah, those are all great points. Um. I just, yeah, I just think I'm not so sure about Goldschmidt. I think he's more on the decline. Um, Arenado, I think you're right, wants to prove some people wrong. I mean, he's <laughs> he's going to be just fine outside of course. I don't think it's really going to be an issue. But I mean, Flaherty is like my favorite pitcher in the league too, so it was tough to go against him. But I just like what Milwaukee's cooking, man. Yeah, hard to hard to argue with that. All right, so last division uh, in baseball, the NL West. Uh, this one, not a lot of surprises for me. Uh, number one team in the division is the Dodgers. Number two, uh, Padres. Number three, San Francisco Giants. Number four, Diamondbacks. Number five, Rockies, with the Padres being a wild card team. How do you have it? Dodgers, Padres, and then I have Arizona in San Francisco. Okay. So you have Zona ahead of San Fran. Both have the Rockies in the basement where they belong. Stupid Rockies. <laughs> um, so there's two interesting things to talk about here. What made you decide to go Dodgers over Padres? Because I think if these two teams were in different divisions, uh, they would easily each win any division in baseball outside of this one. So what what did it for you? Yeah, these are the two best teams in baseball, and they're both going to be over 100 wins, and then the Padres are going to be a 100-win team hosting a one-game play-in, which is just kind of like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> that's how the cookie crumbles. Um, I guess I wouldn't have blamed you if I thought you picked the Padres, or if you told me you picked the Padres, I get the excitement. I just think um, the Dodgers have more depth in their lineup and rotation and they added a couple of fellas that they back into the bullpen to go with uh, Jansen and Bruzdar. So, yeah, they just continued to add to their depth, and they got Lux waiting in the wings to come up. The Padres certainly added depth, but um, they also have a bunch of injury issues around pretty much all the, the pitchers that they have besides Darvish, right? So um, it's just banking on you know the Dodgers – don't have those same injury concerns that the Padres do. And um, it could work out that Padres are completely healthy and put a run together, but I think they're going to fall just short. Um, I want you to guess for me, Keaton, how many members of the 26 man projected roster for the Padres are homegrown signed by the organization from the beginning of their career. Take a guess. I'm going to say seven, and four of them are pitchers. Three. Ah, that was my initial guess, damn it. Three, and one of them 
one of them is a starting pitcher. The other two are bench bats. Um, that team oh, right. is basically completely constructed uh, by trades. And if you look at the Dodgers on the flip side, they've got one, two, three guys in their starting lineup, homegrown. Three out of their four bench guys, homegrown. Three of their rotation guys, homegrown. And then one, two, three, four, five of their uh, extremely talented bullpen, all homegrown. And that, I think, is the difference between the two organizations. When you look at the Padres, to me, the top-end talent is just as good. But the the depth that the Dodgers have constructed and the way that they have constructed this team, there's just layer upon layer. It's like shark's teeth. Have you ever seen like the jaws of a shark and they just have teeth coming behind the other teeth? Like yeah. that is this friggin' team, man. It's it's insane. If you get a lot uh, an injury at really any place in this lineup for the Dodgers, it's just plug and play with some other dude who's going to come in and play at a, a super high performance. I mean, hell, you could have some of these guys in the bullpen for the Dodgers: Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. You can make an argument for those guys over Julio Urias and David Price for the actual lineup. It's it's bananas. Yeah. It is. And adding Trevor Bauer to that mix, too? I mean, come on. It's just. Do you agree that those are the two best teams in baseball and they'll both be over 100 wins? Or am I just a little too excited? I think Dodgers easy over 100. I think Padres will be like a 95 win team. I think think injuries will get them a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but, But on the less interesting point. I was the, the two teams that I had to actually think about when constructing this were the Giants versus Arizona for who was better. What made you go with Zona over over San Fran? I don't know to be honest. <laughs> and I originally had San Francisco ahead of Arizona. Um, and then I thought about it, and I was like, Bumgarner can't be as bad as he was last year, and. I don't know. There's still questions about San Francisco. They're they're also really old. Mm-hmm. Like Belt and Posey are really getting up there. So I was like, oh, Arizona. <laughs> uh, guess how many guys in uh, the uh, lineup for the Giants are under thirty? Two. One. Just Dubon. Mauricio Dubon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, darn it, because... Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I was thinking of Wilmer Flores, but he's over now. Yeah. Or he's just not starting. Hella old team. You're absolutely right. But, um... Yeah. I just think they're a little bit better. But I won't I won't quibble with you there. I like that we both have the Rockies in the basement, though. That makes me happy. Oh, yeah. All right. So, um... Let's get to the wild card matchup. So our AL wild card matchup, we both have Blue Jays versus White Sox. Uh, who do you have moving on? The Chicago White Sox. Me too. On the back of, were you thinking about Lucas Giolito when you thought about that? Nope, I was just thinking about the lineup. But you're right. Yeah, that <laughs> sucks. They have to burn him in that that one game playoff. But yeah. <laughs> I think that they could, they would be fine pitching Lynn in that game too. Or you, you probably could make an argument for um, what's his name? Who am I not thinking about? The Keuchel. Other guy. Keuchel. Um, probably don't want to pitch Keuchel in that game, but I think you feel fine with Lynn or Giolito. But you probably go with Gio. But yeah, and, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, you can't right. can't play for game number two until you get there, so. Right, and you you'd feel perfectly fine about starting the DS with Lynn and Keuchel one two as well, I think. Yeah. Um, NL wild card. We have the same matchup there as well. Padres versus Mets. Uh, who did you have moving on that one? Padres. What an exciting game, though. See, Keaton, I have Mets. And it's, is it because Degrom? It's Degrom. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's the craziest thing about this is I don't have the Padres getting even to the divisional round 
because the Grom. I mean, that's that's we're probably projecting that to be Degrom and Darvish. Yeah, that's a heck of a matchup. It's a hell of a gamer. Ooh, ooh, yeah. I just think the you don't bet against Degrom. It's just he's a dude. That's fair. I I don't blame you. Yeah. All right. Uh, ALDS. Um, I have Twins versus Oakland. Uh, you have that as well. Um, ALDS. So we both have the Yankees is the number one seed. Yep, we both have the Yankees as the number one seed. So we both have Yankees versus White Sox. Uh, who do you have advancing in those two series? The Yankees and Oakland. Okay, I have the Twins and the White Sox. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got the Twins finally winning a playoff series, taking down the Oakland A's. And I have the White Sox behind the power of their rotation, upsetting the Yankees. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, NLDS. Um, I have St. Louis versus Atlanta. Um, is that what you have as well? Well, I have Milwaukee, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Milwaukee versus Atlanta. Um, and then I have Dodgers versus Mets. Uh, I guess I'll give my picks there before we move on to yours, because yours are two different matchups. Um, I have it as St. Louis taking down Atlanta, even though Atlanta's a better team. And I have the Dodgers taking down the Mets. Who do you have in yours? The Dodgers taking down the Padres in just a delightful series. And Atlanta taking down Milwaukee. Nice. Uh, so we get a rematch of Atlanta Dodgers. I like that a lot. That was a great series last year. Yes, sir. It sure was. Yeah. Um, all right. My ALCS Twins versus White Sox. I have the Twins advancing to the World Series. I have Oakland defeating the Yankees and going to the World Series. Wow. Oakland and the Twins for us. The the (laughs) AL is surely going to go nothing like this. Yep. Uh, NLCS, I have St. Louis versus the Dodgers and the Dodgers winning. Who do you have? Dodgers, Braves, and Dodgers winning. Okay, so we both got the Dodgers back in the World Series. I have Dodgers over Twins. Who you got? Dodgers over Oakland. <laughs> All right, there it is. Dodgers repeating as World Series champions, says both Keaton and I. Just can't see a way that that team loses. Mookie Betts with a World Series MVP. Oh, Just, boy. You know. <laughs> way to make the fans feel good. Yep. Uh, all right, let's get to awards. National League Rookie of the Year. Who do you have? Mackenzie Gore. Ooh, that's um, a bold one. Yeah, figure, you know, Padres going to be racking up the wins. That prized young arm um, is having an okay spring. Um, His last outing had a bunch of strikeouts. looked pretty nice. Um, These ones are always crapshoots and really hard to predict, so that's why I just figure um, someone's going to get hurt. Like, Lamette's elbow is finally going to give out, so they're going to need him to step in and go the rest of the way, and, and he'll have a really nice, solid season. Okay, yeah, I like that. Uh, I also went with a pitcher for mine. I went with Sixto Sanchez from the uh, Miami Marlins, who is still rookie eligible. So Yeah, that's a good uh, one. I love him, and uh, the control, command, and fastball, and just kind of everything, change up, electric arm. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year. I have Jared Kelenic coming up. I have. Getting enough time. I have Wander Franco. Ooh. Uh, that's interesting that we have those two guys because those two are probably being talked about more than any other two players as the top two prospects in the game right now. Yeah, and they both have to punch through uh, probably relatively early for them to have a shot at it too. But um, probably harder for Franco with the Rays, just the way that they really slow play prospects. Um, but you know, after our uh, inside look at the front office of Seattle, it may be a little, just as hard for Kelnick to break through. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that actually spurred me to make this pick is just um, thinking that from a PR perspective, it's going to be really tough for them to continue to keep down Kelnick, uh, considering he seems like he's very ready at this point. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come up in like May and play most of the season. Yeah, but we'll see. Uh, who'd you have for AL Cy Young? Giolito. Oh, you dog. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we did not compare these ahead of time. Um, we both have Gio taking that step forward and most importantly, winning the award over Shane Bieber, the defending champ who so dominantly won it last year. Uh, what has he going with Giolito? Well, basically just adding like the team success factoring into it. They'll probably, I think, both pitch really similarly, but... Um, in my predictions here, I have Cleveland taking a step back and the White Sox taking a step forward, and I think a lot of the credit is going to go to Giolito for that. Yeah. So that's what did it for me too. I think he could be a, a twenty-game winner, you know, and I think that yeah. that will end up being kind of the difference there. Uh, NL Cy Young, I have Brandon Woodruff winning his first award. I've got Darvish just riding that San Diego high, or yeah. Nice. I like that. So that'd be back-to-back for him, right? Yeah. It'd be crazy. Um, NL MVP. Who do you have? Mookie. Ooh. That's not where I expected you to go. I said before this show that I thought this was the only, like, no-brainer. These two are the only no-brainer awards for me. So I have Juan Soto, the Goto. Um, Why do you have Mookie over Goto? Is it just the complete game, like he's going to have post a higher war? Yeah. Now, how much better of a hitter does Soto have to be to win that award? Well, hmm. I don't know. Because he could put up a Barry Bonds season. He could, sure. Um, I'm just expecting like 320... 20 steals, 35 homers from Mookie, plus elite gold glove D. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much better Soto would have to be, but I think it's pretty close between the two. I think it is really close. Uh, when you factor in the, the war and the defense, I think it's very close. Um, I think Juan Soto may end up being the best hitter on the planet, even including Mike Trout this year. Uh, And you could probably make an argument for him being that last year. Um, I think we could see something crazy from him. I think we could see a player who is close to 350, like 330-ish, with a close to 500 OBP and a 600 slug this year from Soto. Like... I think it's video game number season from him. Yeah. He's great. It certainly could be. So then, so I'm going to guess then, because we talked about it a little bit. If you said this was easy for you, because AL MVP was actually really hard for me to pick. I'm going to guess you went Devers? No. Oh, okay. I went Mike Trout. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that's... <laughs> I had I, I had Trout written in there, and then I was like, "That's ah, boring." Even though he's stupid good, and I went Tim Anderson. Okay, Tim Anderson would actually be a very, very sexy, uh, unexpected pick. So I like that you went bold with that one. But I cannot bet against Mike Trout. I can't. There's yeah, I don't blame you. It's uh, feels like a fool's errand to to try and bet against him you know it's like the one it's like tiger in his prime you know it's just you take tiger over the field every time um all right good stuff there keaton that was fun i like that we uh didn't talk about that ahead of time yeah normally we fill out um like a google sheet together so we can see what the other one did this time we did blind that was kind of fun Mm -hmm. all right let's get to our listener questions here before we get you guys out of here uh first question comes from seth and he says how many games do you think munoz plays this year and how quick do you think bizarro is up bizarro pretty quick uh munoz uh, i don't know like 30 30 games I, I don't think he's gonna get much run 
I'll go under for Munoz. I'll say like 15 games. Um, and I will go Bizarro. I'm going to say Bizarro is up for half of the year. So I'm going to say he comes up in like June. I was going to say like within the first month. Okay. Yeah, I can could, I could see that. Um, next question comes from DJ Lack, and he says, Am I crazy for hoping Arroyo can take the second base job so that Kike plays in center? Just feel like that's probably our best defensive lineup. Yes, you are crazy. Yeah, I uh, I definitely would rather see uh, Kike's defense at second base. Um, I don't think Arroyo is that good, so I agree with no. Keaton. And clearly, Cora is just not about Enrique Hernandez in center field. No, and even if, so, if he, even if he just moves to the outfield, uh, I don't think that Arroyo is the first option at second. Yeah, I agree. Um, Boston commenter has the next one. He says, "If you had to choose, uh, would you rather make Hunter Renfro the official closer or make Rafael Devers the starting catcher?" Renfro the closer. Easy. Yeah, he's got an absolute hose. He he could probably come out and throw 90. Pretty straight, but definitely throw 90. Yeah. I'll take that. That'll get some outs. Yeah, Vasquez is fine. I like Devers where he is. Closer, obviously, big question mark. Go for it. Yeah, wouldn't be my favorite thing, but, you know, in this scenario... Uh, Ed McCusker has our next question. He says, who is more likely to drop to fourth, rocker or lighter? Lighter. Um, prior to this season, it would have easily been lighter. Um, there was a bunch of mocks that had him going all the way to seventh, with rocker still being atop a the number one pick. Uh, that gap is certainly closed. Lighter is having just a wild season. Uh, but rocker hasn't lost any of his momentum either so i think also based on mechanics it feels like lighter uh has the higher risk so um it's also a very real possibility that neither do and that makes me kind of sad yeah if i had to guess it would be neither but i agree with you keaton i think it's more likely to be lighter at this point um but that gap is really shrinking um, next one, Floyd, uh, and final one, uh, says, should Whitlock be a starter? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the beginning. I think he would be if Pavetta wasn't crushing it right now. Uh, nine innings, eight strikeouts, one walk from Pavetta. He's given up three runs. Um, but I mean, Peta, Pavetta basically started as pen, and penciled in as the fifth starter, and he has not done anything to lose the job. So I don't think it's, you know, for a, a lack of quality or trying, but I think just based off of Pavetta getting the fifth starter spot, Whitlock is going to go to the pen, but um, he is going to be a starter at some point this season for the Red Sox. Yeah, I think you nailed that one. So I don't have anything to add there, Keaton. Um, all right. So that has been our show. We do appreciate you joining us for episode 206. If you enjoyed the show, please go on, rate and review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Um, And we appreciate you making us part of your routine. Whatever you're doing uh, during listening to our show, I recommend cooking during the show or driving, but not cooking while driving. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, All right. So that's it. Um, We do appreciate it. And uh, make sure you check out the other shows on the network, too. You don't have to do anything extra. If you're subscribed to this one, the other shows will appear. Uh, We have a show every single day of the week. Uh, Certainly during the regular season, we will. We have the pre-cap show with Keaton DeRocher and Shelly Verstraight. We have uh, the Over the Monster podcast with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner. We also have the Red Sox on deck podcast with me, Shelly and Bob Osgood talking about prospects. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. We, uh, we do hope you'll join us for all that. And, uh, yeah, go Red Sox. 